Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And one more time, as just, just kind of giving a plug for City Night tonight. It's going to be an amazing night. How many of y'all are excited for City Night? Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be next level. It's going to be amazing. So I encourage you to be here at 6 p.m. We have a lot of great things in store. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. My version says this. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. That's all we're going to read, but I want to read it one more time so that it really settles into our mind and hearts. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. And, and so what, we, what we're getting at today is just kind of the next chapter, the next piece of a story that is unfolding. Again, I don't know how long this series will last. It may last a couple more weeks. It may last a couple more months. I don't know. As long as God keeps giving revelation, we're going to stay right here on this series. We got no schedule other than to have God's schedule. Amen? That's how we roll here. And so just to bring you up to speed, the story goes like this. Nehemiah is uh, is in captivity, uh, Babylonian captivity, and he hears word that his home city of Jerusalem has its gates uh, burned down, uh, the, the temple lies in ruins, everything is destroyed. He gets this bad news, and immediately he begins to weep and to worship. And so we talked on week one of the tension between faith and feelings, that many times we will live in that, in that, that limbo of, yes, I'm feeling uh, the, the pain of what I'm going through, but yet I have the hope of faith knowing that my God is with me. And we looked at his prayer in chapter one, where he immediately responds in worship and begins thanking God for his faithfulness and how powerful it is when you can worship in the middle of your pain. Come on, somebody. Have you ever been there where you are going through it in life, where life just happens, but your best response, the the thing that comes out of the, the, the bottom of your soul is a response of worship. And worship heals us in the middle of our pain. Worship does what nothing else could ever do because it takes your focus off of your circumstance and puts it back on the God who is Lord of your circumstance. And so Nehemiah begins to worship and then chapter one ends with a very simple sentence and it says, I was cupbearer to the king, which means that he had a job that gave him access to an authority that would be able to release him into his purpose. And so you can't despise the smallest position that God puts you in because the smallest, most neglectful position is actually where God wants you there right now so that he can launch you into the next thing. You see, a lot of times we say, no, God, I should be there. But in order for us to go there, God has you here. And until you learn to appreciate the beauty of here, you will never be promoted to there. You can never go anywhere without first accepting that you are here. That's the law of physics. That's the law of life. It's impossible to go anywhere until you are fully present here. I'm just preaching on the recap. And so 
what happens in chapter 2 is that he goes to the king boldly and he, and he has like this sad look on his face. And the king's like, what's up? And Nehemiah's like, well, my city lies in ruins. King's like, what do you want to do about it? Nehemiah's like, well, if you would let me go home, I would love to rebuild. By the way, could you just send me some letters so that while I go, I can just be like, yeah, the king sent me. And so the king releases Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. All of a sudden, out of chapter 2, pops up two haters called Sanballat and Tobiah. These two dudes that didn't show up in the first part of the story, now all of a sudden show up and scripture says that they were disturbed that somebody was about to make moves in Jerusalem. And we talked about how all of a sudden it's the enemy that gets disturbed when you begin taking back land that God gave you. And so that's a whole word that I could preach for a whole day uh, all over again with as much fervor as I did that one day. And so, so but, but we got to keep going. And so what we're in chapter 2. And Nehemiah makes the journey back to Jerusalem. But he waits in Jerusalem three days. And this perplexes me because chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2 tell me that Nehemiah was prayed up. He was released by the king. He had the favor of God on his life. He had unlimited PTO from his job to go and do what he needed to do without any worry. Health coverage continues. Automatic direct deposit still is going to be set up. You are going to get paid to go back to Jerusalem and set up the walls. Like, you got a free pass. Like, go and do whatever you got to do, and the king releases him. He has now had the favor of God over the entire journey back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding the walls. You would think that the the moment he steps foot in Jerusalem, it's game time to start rebuilding. But you see, just because you've arrived doesn't mean it's your time yet. Just because you've arrived doesn't mean it's your time. Nehemiah preaches an entire sermon to us this morning by arriving in the place that was supposed to be his destination and yet still choosing to wait three days before he started what God sent him there to do. You see, for me, impatient chain, I would already be on the phone texting the people in Jerusalem being like, I will ETA 15 miles. I will be there. Have the bricks stacked so that I don't want God to wait for nobody as soon as I step foot into lay the first brick. Like, don't even give me, skip lunch. Let's get started. I don't need, not like, because that's just me. I'm rushed for everything. I'm not going to take a breather. This is what I've been praying for. Come on, have your, oh boy, here we go. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, as soon as the door, as soon as the door opens, we think we need to walk through it. Not every open door should be walked through just yet. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Faith is standing in front of an open door that you know is for you, but not walking through it yet because it's not your time. It's city night Sunday and I love the fire. It, 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 there, faith is, I just wrote a whole song. Faith is standing in front of an open, that was the stupidest song, standing in front, but it was great. Standing in front of an open door Sam, put chords to that song. It, it, and you just stand on an open door, and you know that door's for you. 
That's the door you prayed for. And yet there's something in your spirit that says, don't go through it yet. Just hold the position in front of the door so that nobody else comes and takes that door that's yours. That's a whole word. Because have you ever been blocked by somebody where, like, they're standing in your way? It happens right here every Sunday in this aisle, right? You're trying to get out to go to cafe to get that bread that runs out in two seconds. And, 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 and six people decide to have a prayer meeting right there. And they start encouraging and hugging and kissing. And they drag you in. You're like, no, nah, but the bread, though. And they're like, no, no, though. And, 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 and so you just stand. And they're blocking you because as long as someone is standing there, no one can pass. And you see, as long as I stand in front of the door that's for me, it means no one else can take the door that I know is for me. But it doesn't mean that I need to go through it just yet. You need to learn the beauty of standing in front of the door that God opened for you, but knowing that maybe it's not the time to walk through it. Dating couples. I'm not saying she's not for you, but there are some doors in your relationship that are for you, just not for now. Stand in front of that door. Be like, this is my door. No one's coming for this door except for me. I earned this door. I worked for this door. I, I, I chased this door. Yo, when Alini finally gave me a shot after three years, I was like setting up fences in front of that door. Fences. I was building the wall before it was cool. No, I'm playing. Ooh. Um, but, but that's how I felt. Like, I got to protect what now I have access to. And, and, and what's happening here is, is that a lot of times we'll assume that an open door means that I got to walk through it right now. But, but sometimes it can be a premature blessing when we, and it, and it doesn't mean it's not God's will. It can be God's will, but not God's time. And a lot of times you'll have to stand at that door with it open so that it, it, it tests your willingness to continue to wait even with, when the blessing is within arm's reach. Oh, man. So, so it's there. It's accessible. It's for you, and you know it's for you. But it doesn't mean you should take hold of it just yet. You got to learn the beauty of knowing that there is a time for everything and that there is a season for everything. And, 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 and waiting is not going to kill you. Waiting won't delay the end result. Lamentations 325 says the, the Lord is good to those who wait on him, which means that I can stand in front of my blessing and I know it's for me, but I'm going to wait for the time that God whispers into my ear, okay, now's the time for you to walk through that door and take possession of that which I've called you to. You see, your prayers up to this point have brought you to the door, but now a second season of prayer needs to start where you are praying for the right time to enter into the blessing that you've been praying for. You see, but there's a beauty of waiting at the door. There's a beauty of standing at that door and being like, God, I know this is for me. I don't know when it's going to be mine for the possession, but I just know that you've brought me to this place. I can see it right in front of me. And so as God is my witness, I will stand here and wait as long as I need to wait because what's for me is for me. And waiting will not change the end result. Because God's plan for you is always to prosper you. It's never to harm you which means God never makes you wait for no reason. 
check this. And I'm not just talking about like relationships here. I'm talking about everything in life. Because all of us, no, it's not just relate. I'm talking about everything. Waiting is a beautiful thing. And it's, and it's a hard thing. Come on, somebody, impatient people in the house. I know I'm not alone. We rush, we this, we that, we, uh, uh, we ask for signs. Start flipping our Bible open to random passages and putting our finger down. Being like, God, give me a word. And it's like, thou shalt not wear mixed wool clothing. And we're like, I don't know the meaning of this. Then you check your shirt, it's 50% polyester. You're like, no! <laughs> right? God gives you a scripture that's completely horrible. And it's just, man, the beauty of chilling. Just wait there. Rush and I'm preaching to the choir. I'm pre- and I'm the choir. I'm, I'm preaching to me. Because, man, I, sometimes I think, well, if God answered it, and it's right there, then let's get it. But I want to check this. This is a good word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to be ready. I want to be mature enough that when I go through the door, I can handle the responsibility that comes with going through that door. And a lot of times, God will have you wait outside the door that is yours because he wants to develop your maturity before you go in the door. Fellas, you can't handle marriage yet. So he's going to have you wait there to test what you value most. I'm going back to relationships. Because... Sometimes you're not in it because you love her. You're in it because you love you. And what she can do for you. And so standing at the door will test what you value. It will test what's important to you. This is a good word. It will test your maturity. Mature people wait. I know you've judged people's, people's kids that throw a tantrum in the, in the supermarket, right? Have you ever judged those parents? You'll be like, I would, those will never be my children. And, and it's so funny. The people that say those will never be my children are the people with no children, right? And, uh, right? We, we, we low-key be judging them. We're like, those will never be my kids. I will never give them an iPad. And then all of a sudden, you got a kid. You're like, iPad, right? Just... I can't speak because I don't got children. But... But mature people don't throw tantrums. Mature people wait. Oh, man, well, my parents tell me to wait. <laughs> Horrible, because it's just not fun. I, don't like, I, don't like, I didn't like waiting at age 5, 15, 30, nothing. I didn't like waiting at, at the womb, right? I was, I'm surprised I, surprised I came on my due date, right? Like, I, I, like I, I'm always just, let's get it. But, but maturity, all of a sudden, sometimes I'll catch myself waiting for something. I'm like, wow, Shane, you're growing, because... Wow, Shane, like, good job. Good job waiting. Right? Sometimes you got to psych yourself up, amp yourself up, being like, wow. Sometimes I notice my growth, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. Because I know without the Holy Spirit, that would never happen. All of a sudden, have you ever noticed the Holy Spirit working in your life? You're like, wait, I should have lost my temper just there, right? I should have blown up. All of a sudden, I'm chill, cool, didn't yell, didn't, 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 didn't panic. All of a sudden, I had this whole, got laid off, I'm fine, right? Like, 
hold up. You're at your door. And you're just like, God, whatever you got to do, do it. Waiting is not going to delay the end result because all of God's promises will come to pass in your life. The enemy can't, a delay is not a denial. So, so, so even if I got to wait a bit, it doesn't mean that God has canceled his plans. Sometimes I think we start looking for another door because it's taking too long for us to go through this one. Man, if you would just kind of wait, wait another week, month, year, whatever time you got to wait, season, because that, that's a Christian term for whatever span of time applies to you. Just in a season, it's been 20 years, but it's a season. That's, you know, that's a Christian word for whatever span of time applies to you, right? Oh, I'm just in a season. You got to wait your season. Because a delay is not a denial. Letting, check this, letting the dust settle will always give, give you a clearer perspective. Let me, check, let me say this again. This is scriptural. This is teaching. Letting the dust settle will always give you a clearer perspective. 1 Corinthians 14.33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Which means that I can't just run up on Jerusalem and start building without first breathing. Sometimes God is going to call you just to wait so that you can get your thoughts in line, so that you can get your mental health in line. Because all of a sudden we start making decisions and we're over here sweating and we just arrived and we're a hot mess and we're hungry and we're over here making life and death decisions without waiting. Sometimes the best beautiful thing you can do is eat, shower, take a nap, grab a cup of coffee, get a little bread from the cafe, take a breather, don't talk to nobody, get off Instagram and Facebook, wait on God, let the dust settle, and then make a decision. Can't run up on people cranky, angry, hungry, hangry, and all these sort of things, and we're just all bent out of shape, sweating, smell, everything's wrong, and we're trying to make good decisions. Let the dust settle. You got it because as soon as the dust settles, it means that I'm, I'm not, I don't have dust clouding my perspective. You know what's clouding your perspective? Your feelings. I got to wait for a day that I don't feel the way I feel in order to make a decision about the thing that I'm feeling right now. If I'm feeling angry, what does that mean? I need to, and I need to make a decision. I need to wait until I feel something that's not anger in order to make the decision about the thing that made me angry. Right? Because our generation, well, I'm heated. Cut you, block you, break up with you, quit that job. I'm moving to Cali, right? And come on now, millennials. Burn the house. Leave it. We're crazy like that. That's not mature. That's childish. It's stupid. It's not, it's not, it's not Christian. Burning all these bridges. Acting like the world revolves around you. Settle. Go back to work and do your job. And maybe quit later, but just for now, <laughs> settle. Because once the door opens for you to get something else, guess what? It'll fling open for you. But not if you're panicking and angry and you threaten people. Some folks just like to threaten. Well, if you cross me one more time then, and it's like, you're blocked. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Do you block whoever you want? Because the more people you block, the more you're isolating yourself. And you know what happens to people that block everybody? They die alone. I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying this is a good word. It's a good word. I always, if your blocked list 
is longer than your friends list. The problem is you. Not because they don't know how to treat people. Wait. <laughs> nah, nah, because they be, they be, nah. They be doing nothing. You be extra. Chill. Settle. Is this a good word? Validate this. Is this a good word? When our generation needs this. Cancel the flight to Cali. You're not going. Sit. Nah, but the pastor offended me at the 9 a.m. over there talking about my block list. I'm going to block him. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, wait, you just missed the whole moment. You just missed the whole point. Nah. I'm going to find another pastor. Go ahead. They're going to offend you too. And then you know what I'm going to do with him or her that's pastoring you? I'm going to make a group and I'm going to block you. Right? Like. <laughs> Let me just say one more thing. If I ever offended you, I'm sorry. Guess what? I'm a person. Dude, I'm a dude. Who just so happened to be called for this. Will I be perfect? No. Will I get every word? I say hundreds of words, thousands of words every Sunday. Will I get every single word right? Nope. Will every word be directly funneled from the throne room of God? I hope, but no, because I'm a human. So if you're going to give me a break, give your neighbor a break. Give your spouse a break. Chill out. The only perfect person is Jesus, so relax. Give God a shout of praise. It's City Night Sunday, and we're loving it. Most times, most times, check this, most times fast is foolish. And I say this from a guy who's gotten many speeding tickets in my life. Most times, fast is foolish. It's foolish. Check this, Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. You know what haste means? Fast, speedy, without thought of consequence. People that do things in haste, do things not well. Slow down. Sometimes the reason why our life is in a hot mess is because we're doing everything too fast. We're dating too fast, breaking up too fast, got married too fast. We're, we're applying for jobs that we're not qualified too fast and accepting it too fast. We're doing all things fast. Relax. Time. God is timeless. God got you. And if God is really the Lord of your life, he needs to be Lord of your time. Chill. Man, and this is coming from a dude who likes things fast. Drive fast. As if there's any car in front of me on 95, I feel like it's my mandate in life to get ahead of them. And I'm like, why am I like this? I have the most relaxed father who is just, well, he kind of drives a little bit. You know, he, he kind of gets ahead of people too. Maybe I did get it from you. I'm a little bit faster, but, but I'm like, why am I like this? Like, who am I, what's the race? There's no prize at the end of 95. I'm expecting it to be like Mario Kart. You cross the line, it's like, Too, and I'm over there at the end of the highway just, and the car's spinning. 
I'm expecting that at the end of 95. Sometimes I feel like that though. When you hop on the last part of 95 coming from Boston and you take exit, the exit, you take the little spin and you know it's a straight shot to Providence. You know that, that, that the people from Boston know that very well. And, and you just do that straight, it's a, literally a straight line through Norwood, Foxborough, Mansfield, all that, all the way till you get here. Yo, that thing, that thing feels like Mario Kart. It's just like. And I've done it in the church van. No, don't say that. And. Uh, but there's no prize. And you know what happens when you live your life in a race? You're never going to finish because you're always going to be looking for the prize. And the prize is not in this life. It's in the life to come. So relax. It's not going to kill you to sit in traffic. Oh, wow, that's deep. That's deeper than I can go right now. That's deeper than I am able to process, but that's, that's good. For the people on the podcast, my mom said, you are the traffic. I'll be thinking about that all week. And, uh, and, 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 the thing, and the thing is, is that the faster you go, the more you, check this, on 95 again, right? There's no time to see what's around you, to enjoy the moment you're in because you're trying to get somewhere. I'm not saying traffic's enjoyable, because I, I get it. I'm not saying like, ooh, look at the trees on 95. That's not what I'm saying, because I could, whatever. But maybe my wife in the car gives me extra time to talk to her. Now we gotta get, no, but what if, all right, that podcast that I've been meaning to listen to, I could put that on right now. Settle. Every time God get, check this, every time God delays you, there's a reason why he's delaying you. And there's a thing that you need to be accomplishing in the waiting period. Waiting time is not wasted time. So, so when, when you feel like you're waiting, just be like, God, what are you trying to do right now in this season of my life? After three days is when, is when Nehemiah then goes to the city to start, start building. But he didn't go in daytime. His first trip into the city to be like, what's going on here, was at night. And he didn't go with a whole crew. He went with three people. And this is what he says in chapter 2. He says, I didn't tell, he says this, I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do. This is super important. Charles Spurgeon said this, you will often find it best not to commit your plan to others. If you want to serve God, go and do it and, that let, and then let other people find out about it afterwards. You have no need to tell everyone what you are going to do. And may I add, there is no need for you retelling what you have done. For very, very frequently, God withdraws himself when we boast of what we have done. Isn't that good? Very often, God withdraws himself from what we are bragging about that which we have done. Sometimes our problem is that we have a big mouth and we're telling our dreams before they happen. You know what the best proof of dreams is? Accomplishment, not words. Some people are saying for their entire life they're going to make moves and we're still waiting. You know what the best thing for you to do is? Make the move for the love of God and then we will celebrate the move. But we can't celebrate empty words. I'm about to make 2020, you're making moves. 2021, moves. 2022, moves. And it's like, 
What happened to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15? Like, what happened? Because we're always talking. We're telling too many people. Nehemiah proved the beauty of wisdom. Check this. I'm going to end it here. Tyler, is this. Ready? In one, two chapters, Nehemiah consults with three entities. Proving the wisdom of decision-making and action in your life. Chapter one, he talks to God. Chapter two, he talks to the king. Chapter two and a half, he talks to three people in his life that he can trust. Here's the beauty of that. Number one, before you do anything, talk to God. After talking to God, talk to your spiritual authority. Because moving into a decision without being submitted to authority is rebellion. Which is odd for me to say because I'm your pastor. But it's scriptural. He talks to God. He talks to his authority. And then he talks to a few people that he can trust. There will always be wisdom in your life when you take those three steps. Talk to God. Get counsel and release from spiritual authority. And talk to a few people that you can trust. And he did all this before he ever laid a brick to start rebuilding the wall. Look at that wisdom. Look at that strategy. Look at that tact. Because you know what our generation does? Now I got this. Now I'm called. Give me the mic. Give me the this. Give me the that. No spiritual covering. No talking to God. No accountability with neighbors. We just run at it ourselves. And you know why our generation is filled with folks that are shooting stars? It's because they didn't take those first three mature steps of talking to God, talking to spiritual leadership, and surrounding themselves with good accountability. You told your dreams to people that have nothing to do investing in, their, in, in your dream. It's now you wonder why it's not happening. I'm submitted to God. I'm submitted to my parents as my spiritual leaders. And then I have a small intimate group of friends that I will share not only my dreams but my pain with. And that is the secret to success. Is when we are submitted in those three areas. Nehemiah, before he ever laid a brick, proves to us and preaches to us the wisdom of slowing down and being submitted. This morning, maybe there's a decision in your life that you're waiting to take. Or maybe you're stay, standing in front of a door and you don't know if it's the right time to walk in that door. This morning, my encouragement to you is very simple. God's plans for you will come to pass. And I don't say that just as an empty promise. I say that as a scriptural, biblical promise. That God's promises for us in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. That God has a good plan for me. And so it's not a matter of if he does. It's a matter of am I aligned with what God is doing. I invite you to stand with me because we're going to pray.